You're listening to the Resurgent ATL Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. Something happened Wednesday, and it has been a battle all week long. But I'm going to say this. You know, we have two, two ends of the pendulum, pendulum or sides in the kingdom. We have the side that believes, you know, we have one, yes. But they don't believe there's any battles. You know, you have to take territory. And then we have the people over here that are, we have to fight all the time. I do believe we, all, we fight, but we fight from a place of victory. We fight from a place we've already won. Because if you don't fight, how do you take territory? Right? And so, you know, battles are not, we don't glorify the battle, but the battle produces something greater. Amen? And so I'm going to jump into the Word. I'm going to save as much of my voice as I can. I, I, I know I'm excited about where we're going to go at the end. There's something I believe that God, the Father, is going to do special in this place. What an incredible word that Chris gave, uh, Chris gave just a little while ago. That was such a powerful word. And I even saw some things as he was giving that word that maybe I might expand on. But can you guys hear me okay? If you can't, just start waving your hands and we'll turn it up, okay? And uh, all right, go to Acts chapter 27. We're going to be in Acts 27 and 28 today. And this is a familiar text. Uh, When Randall was here, Randall actually spent some time walking us through Acts 27 and 28. But there's some new things that God showed me this week that I want to show you that I believe is prophetic about where we are and where we're going. Um, If I had to title this, I would title it The Result of Transition. And I would say, um, I, I would say that there's honey in your transition. There's fire in your transition. And so we're going to talk about that. And that's 27. If you're there, let me go there real quickly. I'm not used to starting with the text, but we're going to do that today. And we go. I'm thankful for my beautiful wife. She has helped me from a distance all week to get me better. I've been drinking hot tea, honey, hot, 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 hot uh, medicine balls from, from uh, Starbucks, doing everything I can. I've had to do more physical preparation than I have spiritual. All right, that's 27. We're going to start in verse 39. And it says, when it was day, they did not recognize the land. But they observed a bay with a beach unto which they planned to run the ship if possible. And they let go the anchors and let the, let the, left them in the sea, meanwhile loosing the rudder ropes. And they hoisted the mainsail to the wind and made for the shore. But striking a place where the two seas met, they ran the ship aground and the pro, pro stuck stuck fast and remained immovable but the stern was being broken up by the violence of the waves and the soldiers plan was to kill the prisoners lest any of them should swim away and escape but the centurion wanting to save Paul 
kept them from their purpose and commanded that those who could swim should jump overboard first and get to land. And then the rest on some of the boards and some of the parts of the ship. And so it was, they all escaped safely to land. So let me just kind of set the story up. Paul is arrested unjustly. He's placed on a ship to Rome with 275 passengers. Paul has a word from God. How many of you have a word from God? He has a word from God that he's going to stand before Caesar. He's on his way to Rome and to stand before Caesar, and he gets on the boat by the way of captivity. God has a plan for, for Paul to stand before a powerful man that could ultimately, let me drink this water, transform the region. And the problem is God's idea for, for Paul doing this means he has to go through incredibly difficult situation in order to be processed and prepared for, for what he's about to use him in. Did you guys hear what I just said? So listen, here's the key. Everyone wants to do something great for God as long as we get to choose the vehicle that gets us there. And the reality is that God, and just stay with me, guys. I know I sound different. Can you hear me enough? God still uses pain. God still uses betrayal. God still uses persecution. God still uses disappointment. He still uses people that lie about you, people that try to destroy you. But how many know he will still take what the enemy meant for evil, and he will always use it for good? And what we do is we say, God, you can do what you said you will do as long as you do it the way we want you to do it. But the reality is we have to trust God to use whatever vehicle he wants to use to get us to where he intends us to be. So Paul has a word. He's going to stand before Caesar. And here comes the storm. Turn my mic just up a little bit because I'm going to go down on my voice. Now, historians estimate the ship was 140 feet long. It was 35 feet wide, and it would require a depth of 33 feet to float. I mean, how long would it take to build a boat like that with primitive tools that they had back then? And now a storm. They've taken all this time to build it, and now a storm comes to reveal the lack of integrity in the method that they are using to get to where God says they're supposed to go. And so here's what we do. We say, God, you called me to be here. Why would you let the boat fall apart? Because God's integrity is in the end result, and he will reveal the lack of integrity in the method that we were using to get to that end result. So the storm was not, it was, the storm was not there to reveal the integrity of the mission, but to reveal the lack of integrity in the method. And because the mission can stand the storm even if the boat can't. How many of you are glad for that? So what I believe is happening 
is that this is not just a word for our church. I believe it's for many. I believe it's for homes. I believe it's for businesses. I believe it's for our nation. What I believe is happening is God is wrecking our boats. And God says, I want you to reach this city. But I'm not going to let you reach this city the way that you thought you were. Oh, but a prophet came to our church. And he told us that you're the church that, that he loves. Well, he lied. Because the city will not fit in your church. Right? And God would not get the glory for it. Because if your church won the city by itself, then we've missed the whole thing. That it's all of us that's going to take us coming together to win the city. And it's bigger than us. So God is going to have to get a people that are willing to run together even if it wrecks some of our ideas we had about our boat. And you either have to love your boat or you have to love your mission. And I'm afraid in this nation, we are too boat conscious. We have mega boats. And, and that's the one with the most people in it. Come on. How many know I'd rather have a boat with 10 giants than have a, uh, have a big boat with a, uh, a thousand small people? Come on. And so God is not looking for success numerically but he's looking for it spiritually. And we may have to trim down what we put up with in order for people to, to become what God intended them to be. Am I talking to you? Y'all with me? It's time to quit entertaining people. Some of you think that this is a church that's going to entertain. We don't entertain. We're not here to entertain you. We're here to equip you. Come on. Ephesians 4 says he gave some apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So we're not just entertaining you to get you to come back next week so that we can say to the church down the road, we're more successful than you because we have more little people than you do. God is tearing the boat apart. Why? In this season, he's been tearing the boat apart because he wants to do something that is 10,000 times more significant than your little boat. And so the boat is being pulled apart in the storm. I should be like, Terry, I should have a, a chair today and just sit. I need to learn how to, no, I'm good. Have you ever felt like what you labored to build was being torn apart in the storm? Have you? Come on, wave at me if you have. Look at Acts 20, 27. <clears throat> I promise you I'm going somewhere. Just stay with me. God's going to do something sweet, really special at the end. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the anointing bites the yoke and lifts the burden. That's 27, 22. I'm going to read through verse 26. Would you read it for me? Yeah, go ahead and read it. Uh, Acts 22. Yeah. All right, Acts 27 and 22. Uh, well, I can just read it from there. And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. 
For there stood by me this night an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God has granted you all those who who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe, God, that it will be just as it was that it was told me. However, we must run aground on a certain island. So, we say, God, if you'll tell me, if you tell me that you're going to save everybody on the boat, why not just save the boat? Because God is always looking for an opportunity to use a less ideal situation to get a maximum level of glory. And your method would have gotten you there. You would have, you have given, and you would have given way too much credit to the method instead of giving it to God who is able to put the boat back together even after the storm tears it apart. Hallelujah. So what we're seeing is God is putting something back together that is not anything like what he tore apart. Why? Because we're not tied to the method that is not effective in changing the world. And Jesus, at the end of his life, he said to the disciples, the way that you will be known that you are my disciples is if you have love for one another. There has to be a joining Not I have this revelation and you have this lesser revelation and I'm going to stay over here with my greater revelation. We can't deal with the fact that you believe something that I don't believe. No, there's a move of God that's coming. God said, you're going to go stand before Caesar. You're going to lose the boat. The boat, watch this, watch this. The boat represents systems and structures that have been built by man that are keeping God's people in chains. Come on. And there's a move of God coming that will tear apart what men have built and release an apostolic anointing on the earth. There is a purpose in the storm. God is in the storm. He has been in the storm all along. And this is not the last storm that we will cease. And it is a bad theology to think that God has nothing to do with the storm. When Jonah was in the mess, God orchestrated the storm not to destroy Jonah, but to rescue Jonah from a path that was leading him to destruction. And God is putting his hand on an entire society of leaders who have had their boats torn apart to the point that they could care less about preserving the boat, their boat, for the next 20 years. During the, during, let me, I'm going to say something. During worship, the Lord just showed me that the anointing that is on Chris and Terry is not just for those of you that are in this room. I saw pastors gathering that there's an apostolic anointing on you that is going to attract leaders from all over the region and cause us to put down our agendas to go after one mission, and that is to see our city transform. I believe that's the calling that's on our life. Give me a handful of leaders in the region 
that will be faithful with those that are not in their church, as faithful with those that are not in their church as they are with those who are in the church. And when that happens, the enemy is going to start freaking out. The boat represents systems and structures built by man to keep people in chains. And there's a move of God coming, I believe we're seeing it, it's coming, that will tear apart what men have built and release that apostolic anointing. Remember Peter twice, he had to jump out of the boat to get to Jesus, right? And we think we're safe in the boat, but Peter can't get to Jesus in the storm until he gets out of the boat. And after the resurrection, Jesus shows up on, the, on, the, on land, cooking fish on the beach, and he tells the disciples to cast their net on the other side. Watch this. John recognizes it is the Lord. But it was Peter who swam to what John recognized. Did you catch that? That is a picture of the apostolic and the prophetic working together. The prophetic sees Jesus where he is, and the apostolic puts together a plan to go and retrieve what the prophetic has just saw. I believe that anointing is on this couple and on the leadership team. How many of y'all with me? How many know he has to get out of the boat to have an encounter? See, we use cliches all the time. One of the ones that we use is that God is wanting to get you out of your comfort zone. How many of you have ever heard that? God wants to get you out of your comfort zone. Well, the problem is his name and his nature is comfort. So to get out of comfort is to get out of the nature of God. The reality is God's not trying to get you out of your comfort zone He's trying to get you out of the lie that you are comfortable. Why? Because you are not comfortable when you are playing it safe. You are comfortable when you have a radical enough faith that you're laying it all on the line every single day and you're going for broke. Amen? You're comfortable when, the, when this gospel holds you up or it causes you to fall down. You're comfortable when you turn all of your money over to God. You're comfortable when you don't have to worry about the 20-year plan because you've turned it all over to God. Amen? So you have to put all your trust in him. You don't, think, you don't take thought of tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Have you considered the lilies of the field? I need to talk like Randall. Just talk like, see if I can talk quiet. Here's the question. I'm going to try. How do I make it from Malta to Rome without any preconceived methods of transportation? Think about it. Somebody forgot to tell you in the prophecy about being stoned, shipwrecked, put in prison, left for the dead, a boat crash, in a few minutes, you're going to be snake bitten. Why? Watch this. All the difficulty you have been through is to get to this, to get to this point is about to be completely and absolutely worth it. 
If you don't hear anything else I said, I'm going to say that again. All the difficulty you have been through to get to, this is for me, to get to this point is about to be completely. God spoke that to me this week, and it was a rhema word. It's going to be completely and absolutely worth it. Yeah, give him praise. If you haven't been through any difficulty to get here, it's probably an indicator there's not much purpose in you. But if you've had to fight hell an uncommon amount of warfare to make it to this place you're stepping into right now, you're stepping into it right now. I I prophesy, I was seeing things during worship. We're stepping into it right now. God says this is going to require a new level of commitment. We're going to get to that. The level of commitment we use, the plans, the strategies, the the, uh, passion, the things that we use to get us to this point will not take us where he's taking us. Why? Because all... Let me say this. The, write this down or, or really open your spirit and hear this. The opposition is a prophetic indicator of the potential of what God wants to do inside you and through you. Did you hear that? Don't you say it again? The opposition is a prophetic indicator of the potential of what God wants to do inside you and through you. And somebody has to recognize at the end of this, God is going to make my enemy give me back everything that he has stolen from me because this is a season of recompense and redemption. This is a season of restitution. And listen, listen. The best thing to getting over what you've been through is to go ahead and step into what you are called to. Do you hear me? Your life needs to stop being all about what you're going through and start being about where you're going to. It needs to stop being about the door that's closed and start being about the door that's opening. Listen, I heard the Lord say for this house, it's time to get your focus off of what you are, it's time to get your focus on what you're going to rather than the storm that you've been through. And one of the ways that you endure the storm is you never take your eyes off the promise. The promise that God's gonna watch over his word to perform it. The promise that God esteems his word above his name. The promise that his promises are yes and amen. And when the storm is done, you will testify that what the devil meant for evil, he turned it for good. And that he came in one way and he went out seven ways. And that he made my feet like hinds feet and put me upon high places. And he was able to keep me from falling. Come on, somebody. And when my enemies and foes came upon me to eat my flesh, they stumbled and fell. If you can trust him, to tear apart a bunch of preconceived ideas, we're about to step into greater glory. The greatest glory we've ever seen. I preached on that the last time. Let me say this. <coughs> Somebody don't. 
Y'all just release healing to me right now. Y'all just start praying in the spirit. Come on. You know why? He's fighting this word because this word's important. The very best that we have experienced is only ankle deep. And if the greatest we have seen is ankle deep, I can't imagine what it's going to be when we get over our heads. When I talk to leaders, I tell them, I said, you know, the church may have split. Your giving may have dropped. People you thought would always be with you maybe left. But then the promise still remains. Nowhere in the prophecy did God say, you'll make it as long as they stay with you. Come on. He said, if God be with you, who or what can be against you? That the battle is not mine, but the battle belongs to the Lord. And every time that rises against you in judgment, you will condemn. So here's the principle. When the storm starts and the boat starts to fall apart, you either have to focus on the fact that it is painful losing the boat or you understand that God tears the boat apart to get you to a greater place of depending upon him. And that's where we are. God is raising up people who cannot just visit the house of God and be satisfied with their, that version of religion. God is raising up people that will burn incense day and night and night and day. God is going to have a generation that is not interested in iPads or iPhones or television screens. God is tearing the boat apart so he can release people into his intention. And it's not to have the fanciest boat in town, but it's to have the hottest flame on the planet. John Wesley said this, they asked him, I love John Wesley, I love reading about him. They said, how do you get people to travel for miles to come hear you preach? He said, it's simple. I set myself on fire and they come and watch me burn. The power of God was so strong that when he preached, Chris, people who were sitting in the trees were knocked out of the trees by the power of God. They had to have healing teams go and lay hands on people who had fallen out of the trees for healing. I, I want that. I want my words to have weight. I want it to have fire. I want it to break through things. I want to see a city on fire for God. <clears throat> I'm almost done. What does God want to do in Atlanta? I ask God that question. Does God want to have another pretty boat? Or does God want to raise up a company of burning flames of fire that will burn day and night and night and day? I want the fire of God to hit us until, Bill, until it's every restaurant. It's in every nightclub. It's in every school. It's in every college campus. It's in every football field. It's in every supermarket. It's everywhere. Come on. And the glory is so strong in my city that when people cross the city line, you know, they have city limits. They established the boundaries of the city. I was preaching in Hawassi, and I heard the Lord say, I had a vision of it. 
He said, I'm going to, it will no longer be the city limits that will be the line around the city or the region. He said, it will be glory lines. He said, I'm going to put a glory line around the city. And when people cross over that glory line, that the people that were addicted are going to be delivered. Come on, somebody. Marriages that have been in trouble are going to be restored. Why? Because we're going to see the power and the glory and the fire and the honor of the kingdom like never before. Give God praise if you believe that. Go to Acts chapter 28. Chris, if you would. <clears throat> this is the last part. Go ahead and start reading in verse 2. This is a... The island, oh, sorry. Yeah. The people of the island were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy, so they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. Okay. As Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake driven out by the heat bit him on the hand. The people of the island saw it hanging from his hand and said to each other, A murderer, no doubt. Though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. But Paul shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. The people waited for him to swell up or to suddenly drop dead. But when they had waited long, uh, a long time and saw that uh, he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds and decided he was a god. Seven. Near the shore where we landed was an estate belonging to Publis, the chief official of the island, he welcomed us and treated us kindly for three days. As it happened, Publis' father was ill with fever and dysentery. Paul went in and prayed for him, and laying his hands on him, he healed him. Then all the other sick people on the island came and were healed. And as a result, we were showered with honors, and when the time came to sail, people supplied us with everything we would need for the trip. Did you see that? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to point something out right there. I just saw something I didn't see before. Thank you, Chris. You're anointed when you read. This reminds me of the old days. As we read that, my theory is if you're on an island, you have a fire, you need wood for the fire, and there's not enough wood on the island to sustain the fire, but you have a broken boat. They bring the broken boat, and instead of trying to put it back together with duct tape so it will work, they set it on fire. And they used the thing that they were dependent on more than the hand of God to build a hot enough fire that you will never depend on anything but God again. Listen, if it can't get you to where God has called you to go, maybe it's just supposed to be a fuel source to get you hotter than you've ever been before. Paul, Chris, you can go, I mean, um, Stephen, you can go ahead and come get the keys. Paul gets a bundle of sticks. He goes to set them on, the fi on fire. The viper comes out of the fire. It fastens itself upon his hand. Now watch this. The viper never reveals itself until he gets ready to burn what he's been carrying. 
Y'all want to go deeper? Shut some corn. There are some, this is what I came to tell you. There are some poisonous things that you have been hanging on to that will never reveal themselves until you get around the fire. And then when the fire starts, the viper is content to stay in the wood till the wood gets hot enough. And Paul throws the wood into the fire, the broken ship into the fire, and the viper has to come out attaching itself to his hand. Listen, Everybody signs up for revival, but when you find out there's warfare that comes with it, they back off and they settle for manageable Christianity. Thank you, Lord. My voice is coming back. Come on, come on, come on, come on. The snake, there he goes again. Did you give him the energy drink? The snake is in the wood, but he doesn't reveal himself until he gets around the fire. Now, Paul has a decision to make. He was just put in prison unjustly. He should have never been on the boat with the prisoners to begin with. He says, God, you called me to do this, and now I've been shipwrecked. Now I got a serpent. I wanted to have a serpent that I could go like this with. If I'd have felt better, I'd have been walking around. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even need these notes. I'd just walk around with a serpent attached and be shaking it off. But listen, I would have said, um, you told me the angel showed up. He told me we were going to survive. Not anyone would be lost. But could you not have mentioned that you're going to get snake bit, but you're going to be okay? You know what makes me mad about God? I love God. But this makes me mad. Why didn't he give us all the details? You know why? Because you would never show up. Ooh, I feel the anointing. So the viper comes out of the heat. It fastens itself upon his hand. He shakes it off into the fire. And here's the thing. The fire does not mean you won't have an attack. It just means that you have something to shake off the snake into. Oh, you missed out. The, the fire, the reason you've been through the storm is so you can have the wood. God supplies the fire. The scripture in the Old Testament says the father brings the fire, but he said the sons and the daughters bring the wood. It's the things of your life that you have been through that have tried to attach itself to you. That God says in this moment today, you're going to throw it into the fire. And what it's going to do is the thing that bit you is never going to be able to affect you ever again. See, if you shook it off and there was no fire to put it in to consume it, you would get attacked by what you've been attacked in the past. And the reason he had to go through the same cycle over and over again, I could be, I could, I could right now stop and go talk to people right here. 
I could come right to your mailbox and I could tell you the cycle that you've been in, facing the same thing, going around the same mountain because you shook it off into religion. You didn't shake it off into the fire. And when God sends the fire, it's so that the thing that's attacking you not only lets you go, but it will never have the ability to attack you again. Stand on your feet, but stay with me. <clears throat> I'm going to do it. I'm going to get done by 12. That's why the Bible says, he that, stay with me, don't leave. Hold your hands out as I finish this last part. That's why the Bible says, what this, he that the Son sets free is free indeed. Why is God going to send revival? Because he's sick of seeing people. He's sick of his people living in a sin management as captive Christians and then calling it holiness. Come on. He wants us free. He wants us to shake off what has gotten us into the fire so it consumes it and it never has power over us again. <clears throat> the natives on the island must have been church people. Because when it attacked him, they said, this man must be a murderer. They should have gotten a hot stick. I would have, if they were my friends, I would have wanted to get a hot stick and knock it off. But instead they said, you know, you, there must be something going on. You must have some hidden sin. And the reason Paul was attacked, stay with me, was not because he was doing wrong, but because he was doing right. And if you're experiencing an uncommon level of warfare, it may not be that you're operating in disobedience. It may be there's so much potential ahead of you and inside of you that if the devil can't stop you now, there's no chance he will ever stop you later. God, I'm doing my best. It's when a move of God is in infancy that warfare intensifies and you've got to make up your mind if you're going to fight so it can be what He intended it to be or am I going to choose to live an easier life with less conflict? Paul shakes the snake off into the fire and said he's a murderer a minute ago. Then they watched him and it should have swollen up and he should have died but he didn't and now they say he's God how I many know people are fickle we put too much faith in people instead of putting it in God see favor favor is not that you don't get attacked it's that you survive what would have killed other people and when you come out on the other side you have the authority that I gotta get this you have the authority because you walk through things that would have, would have taken other people out. I want you to close your eyes. I believe it's over you right now. The Lord comes to Joshua and he says, every place, listen to me, Chris and Terry, hear this in your, ear, your ears. Every place the soles of your feet that treads, I have given it to you. I want you guys to hold hands. I believe something's being released. I'm not even going to I believe the Father's releasing something over you. I want you to hold hands right now with the people in this room next to you. I want you to release this. There's an impartation.
He says, every place. He says, if you walk through it, I will give it to you. I will give you authority over it forever because I walked you through it. Everywhere your feet treads, that ground is yours. I give you what you walk through. So if you walk through deliverance, God says, I'm, you're going to put on deliverance and you're going to reach back and you're going to see somebody else get delivered because they delivered you. And uh, come on. Did you know that the word Malta, the island Malta, anybody knows, know what it means? It means place of honey. It means place of honey. See, it's what you've been through that's going to cause honey to come forth in your life so that when people taste the God that's in you, they will say, look, and they're going to say, they're going to taste and see that the Lord is good. The Lord is good. He's not evil. He's not mad. He's not unjust. They're going to taste the honey of your experiences and they're going to say, mm, taste and see that the Lord is good. Every place that the sole of your feet tread, I've given it to you. Many of you in this room have gone through unusual situations that you, you've had, but God says, now I'm giving you authority that when you look at somebody gripped by alcohol, you look at somebody gripped with, with bitterness, you look at somebody gripped with perversion, you will say to them, if it didn't kill me, it's not going to kill you. Every place that your feet treads, and the last part, I got seven minutes. Fire settles everything. Fire, I want you to say that. Fire settles everything. Your past becomes a fuel source so you can burn hotter than you've ever burned before. I want you to throw your hands up in the air. This is my prayer today. God, show me what you want to burn out of me this morning. Set a fire down in my soul. The greatest cause of powerlessness in the church is compromise. And the greatest igniter of a church that turns the world upside down is burning hearts that love Jesus. And the question I want to ask you this morning, I went through everything I went through to get to this point. The question I want to ask you is this, what needs to be burned out? Paul puts the wood in the fire. He shades the snake off into the fire. Watch this, watch this. He puts his hand on the leader of the island and the guy is healed. They bring everybody else who is sick and he puts his hand on everybody on the entire island until they were all healed. You ready for the best part? Could it be that the same hand that got bit is the same hand that God is going to use? Oh, come on. He is shipwrecked on an island and he's not where he wanted to be. It wasn't Fantasy Island. And 
even if you're not where you planned on being, I've got a charge to you this morning. Start a fire. Chris, I'm going to have you come up in just a minute. And I want you to have him sing that song just as we go. As, oh, I'll do it. I'll, I, I can do it if, as long as I want. But I want you to hear this. Even if this the season that you're in is not the season you thought it would be, my command to you, my challenge to you today is start a fire. Start a revolution. You become attacked enough, you just start a fire. You fuel a fire. You start hosting a fire. You start feeding a fire. And your obsession becomes to have more fire burning in you today than you've ever had before. That's what God wants to do here. I believe God wants Atlanta to be one of the hottest fires in our nation. Come on, somebody. I believe the fires are going to burn in the schools. People are going to look at Atlanta. The seat of political rule is going to be shifted to kingdom rule. And there's going to be a fire that falls in our city. Let me give you the last thing. And then we're going to come back to that. Verse 10 says, the natives came and provided such things as were necessary. Now watch this. What was necessary? If you're on an island, what do you need? Boat's been destroyed. You've thrown it in the fire. You need a boat. Watch this. They did not get the boat by going shopping on Amazon. The boat came as a result of reaching out to hurting people. How do we reach a city? We start healing the sick. We start raising the dead. We start casting out devils. We start cleansing the lepers. Most churches say if we had better worship team, we don't say that here, we got the best. Better facilities. What if we had those really hot state-of-the-art laser lights? What if we get the hottest sound system? Then we can reach a city. No, let's just build a fire and let's get together and throw everything in it and then take that fire and invade Georgia. I see a fire sweeping over our nation, our city, our state. That's why I'm being attacked. The attack is an invitation for a hotter fire. When Elijah threw the mantle, I'm finishing. He, he puts the mantle on Elisha. He said, I'm, I'm calling you in the double. This is the double portion season. I'm calling you in the double. What does Elisha do? Elisha doesn't put the, you know, he's plowing the 12 yoke of oxen. He's got more than enough money. He can watch his cowboys beat the 49ers. He can watch his bulldogs. He's got a comfortable life. Who thinks it is? What does he do? He takes the oxen. He kills them. He cuts up the, the, the plow. And what does he do? He throws it and starts a fire. He starts a fire. My prayer this morning, why did he do that? Because he no longer had anything to go back to. I'm going to say something. I pray this morning that you set normal Christianity on fire. I pray that you set Sunday morning religion on fire and you never go back and that you will never accept again to be entertained, but you are pressing for more until you see an entire city on fire for God.
Everything you've been through has been to prepare you for this moment. Just hold your hands out. I'm gonna have Chris come. I believe Chris is gonna has got something to release. I believe the Lord wants to release a baptism of fire in this place. <clears throat> it's not gonna take long. If you have been through some shipwreck and you've been through some snake bit. And, and, and be honest, you still have something that's attached itself to you. But today you say, God, I want the fire of God to burn in me. I want it to burn everything out of me. I don't want anything else but you. And God, I'm willing to throw it all in the fire. And that means the plans that did not work, the ideas that did not work, the things that you thought would happen that never did. I, you had relationships that fell apart. If you have those things and you want that fire today, Chris is going to come. But I want you to get out of your seat. And I want you to come down to the front right now. We're not going to take long. Come on. Just take a step of faith and say, God, I want the fire of God. Come on, Chris. Go ahead. Chris, come on. Go ahead. Let's, I want you to hold up your hands and I want you to sing this song. As, uh, I want you to, I release that anointing that's on you, Stephen, right now to open up the realms of heaven, to open the fire vaults of heaven, to open the furnaces of heaven and release it in this room that there's fires, individual fire that's going to fall on individuals, corporate fire that's going to fall. Come on, Chris. Come on, Stephen. Go ahead. Set a fire Come on, say this. For more resources and information about Resurgent ATL, please visit our website, 